searching for Canada's best startups. The Pitch Please Podcast. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Give us your best pitch. Pitch please. Three, two, one. Connecting with Canada's startups to learn about their business and the amazing people behind them. Follow along and hear some of the most interesting ideas in startups from across Canada. What's up, everybody? It's Mike back on the Pitch Please podcast. Today, we've got Will from Fan Stories, a platform that enables content creators and streamers to further monetize their audiences in innovative ways. That's my pitch. His is going to be way better. Let's jump into it. Will, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Mike, for inviting me to this incredible opportunity. I'm glad to be here. I'm Will. I founded Fan Stories a couple of years ago. It's a platform that helps content creators monetize. We now have over a million users on the platform, 3,000 creators. We raised a pre-seed of 600,000. We're about to raise 3 million. Yeah, I'm a non-technical founder. I don't know how to write a line of code, which I think a lot of people can learn from this. You know, I'm a go-getter to be a little bit funny. And yeah, that's who I am, I think. That's awesome. Well, I want to learn a whole bunch of what sort of got you here. This is obviously an interesting space and I'm sure very topical because content creators, streamers, a huge topic right now, people looking for ways to continue to find new niches to monetize. So we will talk about that. But let's learn a little bit about what got you here. You mentioned before you're a serial entrepreneur, you sort of been in this space, but what are some of the things that maybe shaped your journey or your story as an individual becoming a non-technical co-founder of Fan Stories? Tell us a little bit about, you know, your past and your history. Yeah. So honestly, my first job was when I actually, when I was 18 years old, I started to work as a club promoter. And I was paid $5 per head. So every time I got someone into the club, I was receiving $5. So since my true beginning, I was really tied to the results, which means if I want to get paid, I need to bring results. That was since day one. And so, you know, it, it was tough, but eventually I started to like this model because obviously you're free. You can get to do whatever you want right? You, you have like more flexibility with your time. And in my promotion business, when I was like promoting clubs, then I started to sell, I was 18 years old, man, but uh, I started to sell selfie sticks as well. So every time someone got into the club or let's say the venues or the event, I was selling selfie stick to these folk as well. So instead of making $5, then I was making 20 bucks on my clients. And that was my first experience. And, and then after that, I just constantly had opportunities of like entrepreneurial journeys and didn't succeed all of them. Most of them failed, but yeah, that's kind of like where I got started. I, I think that's interesting because even in that first element, you were kind of driven by results, but you looked for this innovative way to further find new opportunities to create monetization, even at an early age. Successes are good and it sounds like you're on some success path now, but let's talk about maybe one of those like failure moments. What was like one of those businesses that, you know, you were working on that didn't succeed and what was sort of your biggest takeaway from that and how did it shape, you know, maybe what you're thinking about now in in fan stories? Yeah. So, so around 23 years old, I started with some of my friends and partners, um, a company that installed solar panels on homes in Canada. 
And I did a lot of research on it and I thought that I had the right numbers and I thought that I came up with the right formula for calculating the energy savings, et cetera. So then we started to sell those solar panels to homes and we got really successful selling those solar panels. But once the solar panels were installed, we didn't get successful at this point because the savings were not accurate. People were not saving as much money as we were promising. And in a mat, so in a matter of weeks, we sold 500 solar panels really quickly. And when the sun was coming up, then, and these, the savings was like coming in, the clients were like, oh my God, we got scanned. This was not supposed to happen. And at that time I was young. I didn't have the right calculation. We didn't have the right knowledge. We thought that we could do it by ourselves. And suddenly the company ended, but I learned two things from this experience. Number one, before actually getting behind a product yourself, you need to make sure that you have the right data and that you work with the right people that's going to give you the right answers. Because if you have the wrong answers, you can go a long way with the wrong answers, but it's the wrong path, not the right, it's not the right road. And then number two, what I learned is you need to love what you do. Obviously, I realized at some point that I was not liking it. It was boring. It was not my type of like energy, solar. And I, I, I loved it. I didn't like it. And these are the two learnings from, from this. And then it stands Yeah, it seems... Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a big flip, you know, going from like high energy, club promoting, talking to people, socializing with people to selling energy, saving through solar panels is a pretty widespread. And I see fan stories maybe seeing it being somewhere in the middle there. So I, I see how that might be a better fit, but very good, very good learnings. What do you think like drew you to the entrepreneurship? You talked earlier about like the freedom of it. You talked a little bit about your own drive and desire to see and be results driven and, and seeing that. Do you think it was one of those two things or was there someone that you looked up to that was entrepreneurial or that inspired you down this path? Yeah. So my father-in-law, basically the one who raised me. So a big percentage of who I am comes from my father-in-law, which I met since I was three years old. Then I grew with him. He taught me all of his good, his positive sides. And he had, he still has a company with over 900 employees in Quebec. It's still a small company, but it's still significant. And he's the president. So obviously president owner and founder. So obviously I, I, I've learned from this a lot, but I always got like really impressed, incredibly impressed by this. And I think this is where I got hungry enough to grow, to build, and to be part of something that is much bigger than me. That's cool. It's interesting how many people's journeys and inspiration were shaped very early on by seeing someone next to them or close to them, not always be successful. This is obviously a very successful story, but just put in that yeah. effort and energy and seeing them build something and create something is super powerful. Yeah. So let's talk about maybe, we'll talk about the pitch of fan stories in a second, but you were selling some solar panels and somewhere from there, you arrived on fan stories. So we'll talk about the pitch and then we'll talk about the product, but what sort of shaped your journey to then create fan stories? Was there like some moments in your life that started to shape something that became 
clear that this was the path you needed to go on. I'll give you an example. When I was at uh, school, like around 15 years old, 17, 18, I always look up the people that were really popular at school. So I'll give you an example. The people who sit on the back seat of the school bus. For me, I wanted to be on the back seat of the school bus. They're the cool guy. They're the cool people. I wanted to be among the nice people, right? And who are the coolest people in today's society? Most of them are content creators. Most of them, they will create content on YouTube. They will be streamers. Some of them like or dislike, but still Andrew Tate of this world. I love him. Some people don't. But uh, just to give you a few examples, content creators are becoming the coolest. The kids on the back seat of the bus. I want to be with them. I also wanted to start to, to be part of the startup journey. Because like you, Mike, I've, I've been watching Dragon's Dance for years. I can watch this endlessly. I wanted to be part of this. And then we kind of saw an opportunity in monetization, which means like when we read somewhere that the average leader made, you know, somewhere about $12,000 a year full time, it doesn't make sense, right? So we got in through like, how can we help creators monetize? How can we build something that will help them grow, help them monetize, help them own their audience, obviously. And Fanceries was born and there was a lot of roadblocks along the way, but yeah. Cool. I'm excited to jump in then. So let's start off with the best part of the show. Will, your pitch, please tell us about fan stories. Give us the pitch and then we're going to dive into it. So Fanceries is a platform that allows content creators to monetize, own their audience and communicate with their audiences in a much better way, right? So creators can set up a page, make money from subscription, make money from paid messages. I'll give you an example on Fancery. If you want to try to talk to The Rock or a, like a really famous creator, the chances of you getting a reply are zero because they don't have the incentive or the time. On fan stories, you can pay to message a creator. You can pay to message a celebrity. The celebrity the creator makes revenue from it. And then the, the fans or the, the users will get a, an, a reply, obviously. And we're, we're building a lot of incredible tools that we will we'll be releasing uh, in, in the next couple of months. And so far, so good, right? The company uh, started from zero in about a year. We're about to make a million in sales this year from so pretty incredible growth. We have 3,000 creators, over 2,000 monthly active users on the platform. And this is under a year, right? So it's pretty incredible, I'd say. That that's incredible. I'm so excited to learn more. This area I know a little bit about, but probably not anywhere near as deep as you and the listeners might be all over the spectrum. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this industry, like content creating, how people are monetizing today? And I guess that'll evolve into a little bit of some of the gaps, but obviously there's lots of platforms yeah. where people are posting content. There's lots of ways to monetize, but teach us a little bit about that industry, content creation and monetization. Yeah, so the biggest revenue stream for creators comes from brand collaborations. So so a best example, Nike that wants to advertise their shoe, they will pay Michael, maybe not Michael Jordan, but they will pay, I think if they're competitors, but they will pay a celebrity or a creator to wear the shoe, do a video and, and et cetera. This is on a larger scale, but on a smaller scale, let's say a smaller creator, they can have like beauty, 
cosmetic, Gymshark, the, the company Gymshark that was born 100% off content creators advertisement. No ads, just creators, Gymshark, which is incredible. But obviously the issue with brand collaboration is that they are all one-time deals. I come to you, I want to sell this mouse, I'll pay you $1,000 to try it, do a review, and that's it. Then I'm gone. The experience for creators is that they, they always have to search for these deals. They always have to search for these opportunities. And there, it's, it's almost impossible to grow a business, a really big business, if you don't have some sort of stability or customers that returns constantly. And... This is the big issue that we tried to solve with subscription because subscription allows to have predictable revenue. If you have, let's say 500 people paying $15 a month next month, you can predict what you're going to make, what you are, what you will, which will, sorry, what you're going to be making next month. And if you can predict, you can then invest. You can use that money. You can play with it. You can invest, you can hire. You can buy a house, right? You can do a lot of stuff that just one-time fees cannot. And yeah. That, that makes sense. So a lot of the, the money creators are making are from these brand deals. Now, obviously, there's other platforms like Twitch and, and OnlyFans, and there's other versions of... For sure. And OnlyFans. By the way, everyone, OnlyFans is for other content as well. The point is just gated yeah. access to content. And just so We're still know competitors. They still compete. Okay. Obviously, we're not in the adult sector, but OnlyFans, they have a, a platform that could do the job for any other creator. They can just change the name, repurpose, and then boom, they're in the industry, right? So, Got it. Okay. So this is a similar concept to those. Like, What about like Twitch? I know there's some video game streaming platforms as well. Is that also competitive or similar? Only Twitch subscription. The subscription model for Twitch could be competitor got it but you still have like some unique elements in yours so let's talk about that who's like your primary audience do you focus on the creator or the end user who's buying fan stories today yeah so there's multiple targets i would say in the beginning of fan stories so the, the past year the biggest issue that we had is that we were not competing feature wise we, we were underneath the competitors in terms of features. So at that point, they're like, the, our strategy was like, there's no way we will convince someone on Patreon, which is a, a huge competitor or other platforms to try Fansory because they're 10 times better. So we focused on creators that were lacking on monetization, which means they didn't have a link tree. They didn't have like a platform for monetization. They were literally lacking and crying for something like we did. That's our biggest focus. It was our biggest focus. Now that we have like much better tech behind the platform and that the platform is really unique compared to a lot of other players, then we can try to move on to creators that are already doing subscriptions. So people that are on Twitch subscription, maybe in subscription on Instagram, because we have a better tech, better platform for this site of monetization. I want to learn about some of those features, but I want to jump yeah. back to something you said earlier. So you said you're a non-technical co-founder. Yeah. And, you know, this sounds like it's pretty tech intensive. You're talking about new feature releases, remaining competitive with some fairly large brands. 
How did you break through here and how did you actually build the platform of fan stories? Yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this adventure is that when you want something deep enough, you can achieve it even though you don't have the knowledge, right? I didn't go to college. I didn't have university. I don't know how to write a line of code, code but yet I'm the CEO of a high technology, technological company high growth tech startup. I don't, and I don't even read the code. I don't know anything about that. What I did is that obviously in the beginning, when you're young, the trickiest part would be to prove that you can do it. That's like the trick because you don't have anything to prove it. Like you've never done it. You've never been there. So I went to my friends, a couple of friends. I raised the first friends and family, uh, $100,000. And the $100,000 was actually money to prove that I can do it. And by proving that I can do it means building an MVP. That's the proof. It's not the proof of concept, but it's the proof that I am serious. Once you have that MVP, you can use that tool to recruit the best teams in the world maybe the best people to join your vision. And then I got to uh, a point where we didn't have any programmer. We had an MVP, but we needed a team, not just one person, but a team to build this thing. And I met my partner, Shao, Shao Ang Lee, which is an incredible guy. He invested in the company. Now we have all these resources working on the company, like five developers full-time that works on fan stories are paid and covered by his race resources. That's kind of part of the initial deal. But I started, basically I looked for the people that could do the job that I couldn't. Got it. So you rounded out your team's skill set. You focused on what you're good at. You, your initial part was pitching the investment in yourself yeah. and people believing in what you could go do and you did it yeah. and you brought it to a certain point. And now you've grown your team. Let's talk about these features. So what are some of the, the capabilities that you're able to talk about if you're not, and there's some secret sauce in there, don't tell us, but what are some of these features or capabilities that make fan stories unique or stand out now that you're able to go after some creators that might be using other platforms? So I mean, we have an AI technology that can take care of answering messages for the creators. And what we have identified is that even though people pay on fan stories to message the creators. They do not have the time to reply because they're flooded with DMs. This is a huge issue for creators. Like they receive thousands of DMs on Instagram, thousands of DMs on TikTok, thousands on YouTube, Facebook is flooded. The email list is flooded. Then they have, let's say, fan stories. They're flooded on fan stories. It's overwhelming. Um, but again, this is like alpha stage. It's not even better. We're still gathering some data. So this is why I'm not really selling on that point yet, because we don't have data, we don't have data to prove that it's working, but what we believe, and this is what we are currently trying to prove. We believe that the fans, um, are looking for two things, companionship and entertainment. And we believe that the. Obviously, some fans would want to have authenticity, which means the creator reply. But we believe that there are, there is a percentage of the fan base that they will they would accept, and they would see benefit in having the experience of talking with their favorite celebrity. Let's say if I were to ask The Rock for a fitness routine, 
to me, it would be cool to get a fitness routine from The Rock. Obviously, The Rock cannot do a fitness routine, but the AI can. And that's where we are trying to evolve and see if this is a, a use case that we should push further. That's cool. So you're exploring, hey, there's this path where they could, if someone's paying the right amount, they could reply directly. But there's a whole aspect of people that maybe are paying a little bit less that know that they're going to get not highly customized content, but still entertainment value like you're talking about. So that's pretty cool. So beyond that, tell me a little bit about the platform. Do you pay to follow these creators and influencers? Do you pay just to message them? Do you pay for how does the gating of that work? And is this, I'm a little bit newer to this space, but does this live on top of Instagram and TikTok? Does it live separate? It's like another app. How does that sort of work? Yeah. So it's a link that the creators put in their bio, right? And on that link, there's multiple options to monetize, but let's say the biggest one would be if you want to see content of the creator, you have whether to follow the creator for free, to see free content. And by following the creator for free, the creators build, let's say, a list of fans that they can then communicate better. Because we have feature where creators can send messages, they can notify creators when they release new posts, they can notify creators when they launch a new video on YouTube. So they build this audience, they aggregate the audience from all the platforms to one where they own it. Because on YouTube, if, let's say YouTube is not really liking your pitch or YouTube doesn't like the way you talk, they will ban you and then you lost everything. TikTok does the same thing. On Sanseries, you aggregate your fans to one place, you own that audience, but you can communicate with them. The other part is you can subscribe a monthly fee, let's say $10, $15 a month to get access to exclusive content behind the scenes of your life, those goodies. Or you can pay to message degree. That's cool. So it, it's got the gating owner. I, I think that was really interesting piece, which is like pivoting the ownership of your fan base. I've never really quite heard it put that way. I'm sure someone's referenced it, but it's owning your fan base so that you can monetize on these other paths and they can view and watch, but you're creating a different vehicle to communicate and build that bridge to, to your fan base. So. I, it sounds like the problem you're solving is a few. One is ownership of the fan base. Second is monetization. And then you're actually starting to diversify and create new forms of monetization and efficiency. Yeah. Because you're saying, you know, you can monetize through messaging. And then there's this other subset where maybe you're going to make it more efficient, where fans maybe pay a little bit less, but understand that they're maybe not getting a custom uh, response from Will, they're getting something that's more entertainment value and people pay for entertainment value, right? They yeah. pay for skins for their armor in, in a video game. They pay for like a new color in a car in a video game. Yeah. There's a threshold of entertainment value cost. And then there's another threshold of, I want to pay for something premium, like cameo, I guess. Yeah. And you're monetizing, giving creators power to monetize in other ways. What kind of creator are you focused on? Like I'm a podcaster. Am I the type of creator? Is it like video and visual creators, brand creation, like a whole brand or mostly for individual creators? Who's sort of your primary audience here? Yeah. So there's multiple things that we look for. Number one is we look for creators that show signs that they want to do this for uh full time, that 
being a content creator is their goal and they want to do this full time. They're not just a seasoned creator taking pictures on the beach, right? Uh, where they're really, and usually these things, we will see this, like they will have, like say a Discord channel, or they will have like a podcast, or they will have like a YouTube, or they, they will have multiple things that showcase, okay, this one is really trying to achieve something. That's the number one. Then we look audiences. We need to have, there, there should be a minimum of 100,000 fans, uh, not fans, but let's say 100,000 followers. Otherwise, they're not yet to the point where they should monetize. They're more to the point where they should think about building the audience, right? Building better content. Unless you, you right? It's kind of like there's multiple tiers, right? If you start, you have 5,000 followers. It's not even worth thinking monetization. It's like you have to work, you have to work your content get better content, grow the audience. And once you grow the audience to a certain point, now it's kind of like, how can I monetize this? We want to take them where they are. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. I was just going to say, yeah, you were talking about audience size. Now is that audience following on like a TikTok or an Instagram? Because I know like subscribers on YouTube, maybe is a different threshold or maybe that. So like you're saying no matter what platform, about a hundred thousand sort of the mark. 100,000 Instagram, then I would say 100,000 Instagram. TikTok is a little bit more because TikTok, it's really easy to get followers. And I, I have a theory on this because I'm not so sure it's all real. I think numbers are inflated by the TikTok team as well. But again, that's another story. And uh, YouTube, it could be really, 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 really small because YouTube is the most valuable followers. If you, if you acquire followers on YouTube, this is. 1,000 followers on YouTube is worth 60,000 on Instagram, just to give you an idea. Wow. Okay. So then I should definitely tell my friend who's way more popular than this podcast. His thing is Cars with Sandra and he gets reposted by a bunch of things. I think he's got like 50,000 subs on YouTube. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like he's a pretty interesting person, way more interesting than me. Sometimes I get to hang out with him and call him my friend, but I'll make sure he checks out fan stories and it sounds like it's the right fit for someone like him. But not yet like someone like me. Maybe eventually. Eventually. Maybe eventually I'll get up there. Yeah, for sure. We we, we all have to start somewhere. Yep. And for now, we're having fun along the way. And I'm I'm learning about new categories. So you talked a bit about your competitors. Tell me a little bit about like your journey so far. Like you were, you came on this call. We've had to move it a a few times because of me a bit because you, but when you told me why I got really excited. So tell me about some of these recent milestones that you've been having at fan story, some of these amazing moments of, of energy that you've just had in the recent few weeks. Yeah. So it's been three months that the team is working on tons of new feature version two of the AI replicas content recommendation engine. We've been working on new profile designs. We've been working on our own link tree pages, like fan series, they have a link tree that they can just use for free. We've been working on a free tier where you can just follow for free. We've been working on, uh, again, new designs on some pages, improve your UI, improve UX. We've been working on a way to onboard creators more quickly as well, removing all of the barriers to entry, like providing information that would make them fall off the onboarding. It's big, like a really huge release. We got it released, the team got it released last week and what made me really happy is that usually when we release new feature, we break everything. It's like 
development is like you release something, you break things. And we almost broke nothing, which is, which was really incredible. That's one part. So that's why I was really busy. And the other one is we have our biggest months in terms of revenue, biggest months in terms of user acquisition, biggest months in terms of every numbers is the biggest. So yeah. That, that, that's amazing. Well, congratulations. I'm happy to push podcasts out for moments like that. What's been like your most memorable moment on this journey? Is it this recent one or is there something else in the creation and development of fan stories to where you are today that sort of like springs to your mind as like the most favored or memorable? I would say every milestone that we achieve is getting more memorable and I not forget the other ones, but I'm, I'm always looking forward. I don't really look backward that much, but I would say last week was meant for celebration. I did celebrate a little and, but yeah, <laughs> let's put it that way, but memorable. I would say, I think the most memorable is yet to come. I like that. I like that forward looking view. What about the hardest or most challenging part? And if you compare that with advice, that's always useful. I know you talked about some great advice from, you know, your solar power panel business, but what's been like the hardest part of this journey so far? And if you've got some advice to help others that may be facing a similar thing. Yeah. So there was two events that was complicated, not complicated, but hard. Number one is my, I, so I started the company with a friend and eventually we had to separate because there was some there was some reason between the two of us that we needed to take part ways. That was pretty tough, I would say, because obviously it created a lot of doubt in the company, doubt in the mission, doubts in myself, doubts in a lot of stuff that we passed through this. That's one of, that's one of the hardest part. I would say the second hardest part was when my First develop so when we ran out of the money, the one hundred thousand that we raised friends and family, when we once we ran out of it, we had I'm not saying a shitty platform, but it was not incredible. Trust me, it was like pretty bad. And we started to onboard users. Users didn't want us to they didn't want the platform. It was pretty like it, it was not that incredible. And at that point, I was left with no developers to fix bug, no money to hire developers, no nothing, just an MVP. And this is where I needed to find my partner, Xiao, that's now part of the team, which I'm really grateful to be with him today. But yeah, what I learned from this is that I, I think when you have some... I, what I learned from this, and I'm still struggling with this today, is that when something is pressing enough or when something is urgent enough, which means if you will die, if you don't do it, use this as fuel to do it. And you should, and, and sometimes, and that's what I'm learning right now, because I'll give you an example. Right now, we're trying to raise a seed round, but I'm not in a position where if I don't raise my seed round, I'm going to die. At that point, let's say a couple of years ago, if I didn't have a tech team, I'm gonna die. So it was like, do or that, I need this, it's incredible. And this created energy, I, it, it was like focus, energy, I need to find someone. And it was all I did, it's the only thing I did on, until I reached that goal. 
And for, let's say, raising a seed round, and what I'm kind of starting to realize is that I need to put myself in a position mentally where if I don't raise, I'm dying. And maybe this could help in many business situations where if you can put yourself in bad situation, you'll achieve the goal. Yes, it sounds like the pressure of the, the do or die moments in a business create this focus and deliberateness to how you spend your time and energy. And when faced with those moments to be extremely resilient and break through, because I think both of those moments that you mentioned, many businesses might just close the doors. Co-founders parting ways, it's not fatal. There can be reasons that make sense for both of the co-founders to go down different paths and everyone can still achieve success. There's moments where you're drained on cash. Maybe people don't love your product yet, but you've got something and you're on to something and you need to push through and you need to just go ask for help. For sure. And so I really love those aspects of your story. Actually, one question that came to mind, because I want to talk about this raise and the funding, but if anyone's listening and they are wanting to get into your fundraising round, they're going to ask the same question, which is how do you and fan stories make money? Yeah. So obviously it's a subscription model, which is one of the best model in the world, if you ask me. So we make money by taking 20% of the revenue from the creators. And that's the, that's our main revenue stream. And obviously there's multiple other things that we can do along the way. But right now this is, we need to matter, like we need to build this first. That's good. That's amazing. So your power metrics around number of influencers on the platform or creators on the platform, number of fans that are, those two metrics growing are just helping prop you up. Is there a milestone six or 12 months out from the top line creators or users that you're chasing with this round? Yeah. So 3 million will be used to grow the GMB to 20 million. That's amazing. That's the goal. And we will build a team that's going to be able to acquire between between 44 to 150 new creators per week. And wow. if we can achieve that, then it, we believe that in a matter of two years, the GNV will be 20 million. That's amazing. And what's the timing of the, this round? And if people are interested to get in touch to learn a little bit more, where should they go? And yeah, what's the timing of this raise? Yeah, so obviously we're profiting. Like I said, it's not a do or die situation. It's not if we don't raise, we're going to die. But we want to accelerate things. Obviously, we are in a competitive market and we think that we have something incredible and that's going to change the world for creatives. And we want to be, we want to grow quicker. But yeah, so the timeline yeah. is about I would say if we can raise between 20, somewhere around mid to end 2024, that would be a great goal for me. And yeah, I was, oh yeah, it's 48 months. So the, the fund will be, you it will be giving us 48 months runway to grow the GMP uh, to 20 million. That's amazing. And so if you're a listener who wants to either sign up as a creator if you just want to follow the journey or you're interested in investing, where can people find out more about fan stories? Yeah, it's probably I'm going to leave. I don't know if you're going to add that in the... In yeah, the we'll, we'll add show notes. We'll add show notes as well. But there's going to have my LinkedIn on the notes. I can leave my email address as well. So you can shoot me an email. I'd be happy to discuss me. I just love meeting 
new founders, new entrepreneurs. I love to hear, like you, Mike, I just, I think it's incredible to, to hear stories and I'd love to hear your stories as well next time. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. And maybe we'll do it when I come to, to Montreal next. Yeah. Um, we'll sit down and, and chat and I'll learn a bit more even about how to become a more successful creator from a master in this space. Yeah. If others are looking as well, it's fanstories.tv. I tried.com, I tried.ca, but it's TV. So make sure that you get that right. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for teaching me about this space. Thank you for your coaching and advice around being a better creator and continuing to grow this podcast at the kickoff there. I wrote down a whole bunch of notes and hopefully they <laughs> translate to some success and, and continued growth. But either way, this podcast has just been about meeting amazing founders like yourself, learning about this breadth of cool things happening in the Canadian ecosystem with Canadian founders, which I love because sometimes they just don't get enough spotlight. Any closing words on your part, Will, before we wrap up today? Believe in your dream. Believe in your dream. I love it. Thanks again for joining, Will. That was Will from Fan Stories. If you're a content creator, you're a streamer, you should check them out. If you're looking to, you know, take an investment bet into Fan Stories and grow with them, you can check them out as well. Thanks again, Will, and have a really good day, everybody. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to the Pitch Please Podcast. Pitch Please. Pitch Please. <laughs> Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Tune in for regular episodes and show notes at pitchplease.ca. And make sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. Pitch Please, a Bluemex podcast, is hosted by Michael Thibodeau and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. For more Pitch Please content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord. 